your dig site, you must call 811 at least two to three business days before any digging project so you can avoid hitting our essential buried utilities. This includes natural gas and petroleum pipelines, electric, communication cables, and water and sewer lines. So before you do this or this, make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811. Brought to you by Common Ground Alliance. The opinions voiced on this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your attorney, accountant, financial advisor, or tax advisor prior to investing. This show contains forward-looking statements that may not come true. Securities and Investment Advisory Services offered through HBEC Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC, HBEC Incorporated, Kelsey Associates are unaffiliated companies, and this program is intended for Wisconsin residents only. Well, good Saturday morning and welcome to the studio. I'm Tom King. Merle Kelch is with us this morning. Kelch and Associates in Wausau to take your financial questions. 715-845-2155 is the number to call here. And uh, good morning, sir. Well, good morning. Good morning, everybody. It is a fantastic day out there. Um, it's not raining for the yeah. first time in, you know, a couple yeah. of years. So, so it's kind of nice. I'm enjoying the, uh, the nice warmth out there and... Uh, Boy, but, let's but have be, some fun today again. Be, before you go out and enjoy the day, we need your questions here today on the program. So give us a call, 715-845-2155. You wanted to talk about inflation, first of all, and I guess in, how inflation can affect a portfolio and what you can do about it as an average investor. An, an article popped up here, and it's an article by William Watts. And I've been getting just a mountain of questions over the course of the last, oh, geez, easily a month. Saying, you know, is all this inflation and what's going to happen and that whole bit. And I'll, you know, and tell people inflation is just something new that you just have to address as time comes on. You can still make money when you're having an inflationary effect. And, and so finally we found an article that talked about it specifically in part of a study. And I want to bring it out here because if you have questions, I want you to find this article, folks. It's really well done. So the, uh, an article by William Watts, the term is inflation scare. The stocks have performed best and worst when prices rise. And so... In here, and I'm summarizing, so they went through the, the last uh, 40 years of inflation, whether it's coming up and down, what's happened along the way. So the beautiful study was done. And essentially what happens is those companies that have the ability to pass rising costs on are the ones that survive the best. So, Tom, if you would think about it in your own life, um, what things do, can you absolutely not live without? And if the price went up, you still have to use it. Well, obviously, don't say TV. That's, I mean, that's <laughs> come on. Well, I, I, I just absorb the increases when that happens. But yeah. I'd say, you know, food, clothing, you know, water, certain foods. Whatever. You might skip Doritos, but you still have to buy, yeah. you know, potatoes and, and meat right. and, and those kind of proteins. Um, same thing with fuel and energy, and and you hit it right in the head. So it's those things that you can't live without, essentially, um, energy and that type of stuff that goes up. And you know, we see it with the see how consumer prices uh, jumped up over four uh, percent just recently in the CPI. Um, and so inflation is actually here right now, the whole question, and we don't know the exact answer for it. The suspicion is that it's going to be a short-term thing coming up over the course of the next quarter, maybe two. Um, but, you know, there's sectors in here that we have the ability to still make money on. So part of here, he's got some beautiful graphs that look on. So the industries um, that, tend, that tend to do the best, and I have to read this sideways because they put it that way, and I'm old and I can't read sideways uh -huh. anymore, but... Uh, they look at it, multi-utilities, electronics, consumer finance, machinery, construction and engineering, metals and mining, um, road and rail, oil, gas, and consumable uh, fuels, electrical equipment, energy equipment, services. 
So does that mean we run out tomorrow and sell off everything else and buy this? Well, you know, probably not. But if we're going to put some new money in, we may want to take a look at and say, well, where's the money going to in case these inflationary fears actually tend to bring themselves up um, and become a problem within our uh, our community services, environment, uh, economy. There's the word I'm looking for. I knew I'd finally get to it. And so it's okay, folks. Inflation is all right. Too much inflation is a problem, and that's the part we just don't know about at this point in time. And yeah, and that that's why why the Fed was uh, developed, right? The Fed was uh, was in, uh, invented in order to stop hyperinflation or stop uh, other problems. Uh, and uh, they look at this on a regular basis, and they mm-hmm. continue to say they don't see where they have to make major changes just yet. Yeah, that's one of the goals of the Fed. Initially designed to take up the big swings in the economy to suck that up because we were an agri- agricultural economy uh, at large at that point in time. Um, uh, but um, it's designed uh, certainly to keep inflation in check. If you can keep inflation at a reasonable rate, it really helps your economy grow, and it helps the big swings in interest rates. Remember that the fear with inflation isn't so much that a price goes up. Tom, if you and I have a widget company and our widget prices go up by 10%, we're not going to be upset with that. I mean, that's okay. We make more money. As um, long as we cover the cost of the materials to make the widget, you know, we're, we're still making profit. We can still do that. The issue comes in is when inflation starts going up too fast, interest rates increase to combat it. When interest rates come up, that means the cost of building my widget machine costs more, the cost for me to build a house costs more, and so therefore those things tend to slow down and it slows an economy down. And that's the big fear that comes out there. Inflation typically increases interest rates, which typically becomes a problem in slowing down the economy. And that's where the Fed's doing a pretty good job saying, well, we're not, uh, we're not changing anything at this point in time. We're going to let this pass. Um, and I, I think they're right. All right, let's take a phone call here this morning. Good morning. Who are we talking to? Jean Kriofsky. Hey, Jean, you're on with morning, Merle. Jean. Go ahead. Hi. I have a little question that has to do with stocks. I just wondered why they're not splitting like they used to. It's really at the discretion of the company. Um, you know, the whole belief in a stock splitting, and, and by the way, in theory, Gene, when a stock splits, it doesn't make the stock go up. Um, so if you have 100 shares of a stock and they split five for one, you have 500 shares of the stock. But the value when you have 100 shares and the value when you have 500 shares are the same in your pocket. Um, I, just, I know that yep. concept, yeah. Okay. I understand that. And, and so what happens in here is companies um, once had a belief that, um, uh, Gene, if you and I were looking for stocks, we weren't looking for the stocks that were $3,000 a share. We wanted the stuff that's $50 a share because it's easier to buy. Um and, and so today it's become so easy to buy stock with the electronic world that it doesn't matter as much as it used to. So you had a lot of companies and 3M, for example, was one that was really good about that and keeping their stock in that 40 to $70 range and start getting up to hundred, 125 and it split. And so I haven't seen it as much of, of it as I have in the past either, but there's no worries about it. Um, and, and I hope that that helps. Um, it's just nothing more at the discretion of the company to try to keep that stock price down um, where people, uh, they believe, can uh, more affordably purchase that stock. Yeah. Well, that's what I found beneficial for me in the in the past years, that when the stock was at a more reasonable price, mm-hmm. I could buy more. And then when it split again, it, it, it turned out to be kind of a nice thing. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, what ends up happening is is – Again, in math, as you know, we discussed, it doesn't change the price. But people, it happens, oh, geez, um, they just split. That's a good stock. Look, that price is cheap. I can throw a few bucks into it, and it drove the price up a little bit. Um, we saw that just happen here recently with uh, Tesla. That just happened to Tesla here within the last, oh, geez, about the beginning of the year, I think it was. 
Um, so it does happen, um, and, and it does to drive up the stock because I think more people start buying into it. But, uh, Gene, I have not seen as much as I've seen in the past either. Yeah. But the profits in the company still continue to keep moving forward. I know that. All right, well, I thank you for that. All right, that. thanks well, Gene, for the call. Thank Appreciate you so it. much. 715-845-2155 is the number to call. All right, so if you're not looking at stocks splitting, what are you looking at then to make a stock attractive to you to be a buyer to to invest in that stock at the, we've talked about profit yeah, before yeah. you like companies that make profits anything else besides that well profit's the first thing and the yeah. second thing is i want to say are they in some place that's doing great stuff uh there's a company that's out there right now and i'm obviously not going to say their name or tout them but you know something that is going to come back to america because we have to is rare earths metals i just had this conversation with a client yesterday so if you're listening here you go thank you um, but we had the conversation, and so he likes to be inside of the metal stuff. He likes the the gold and the silver, not because he thinks the whole world's going to gold and silver, but he's a, an engineer type, and he believes that we're going to start using more of this product. So with part of this, then, uh, the rare earths, which, of course, we need inside of our cell phones, our tablets. Well, yeah, you're carrying a lot of rare earth metals in your pocket every yeah. day, yeah. Um, and I, I think there's something making my brain go crazy with all this stuff. All right, <laughs> I'm just making that up. Um, so anyway, um, right now the the largest exporter and miner of rare earth metals around the world is actually China. Um, obviously, with this comeback into America stuff, we want to say, well, maybe we should start mining this stuff. We have rare earth uh, metals in America, not to the extent though that other countries have. Africa, no, no, we we still got a bunch of it. Really, um, it's just that it's so terrible to the environment to mine it, and we haven't been. So there's essentially one company that's out there that's doing the bulk of the mining, and they said with the new processes, we can do it. We can do it safely. But it's going to be a little bit more expensive because uh, they're going to do it safely versus, I hate to say this, but it's a lot of other countries that don't give a flying yahoo of, of what's happening and building these rare earth metals out. So Every time I, I hear think, a mining company say they can do something safely and, and cleanly, well, I, I None of them are going to do it yeah. perfect. You know, <laughs> it, it, you just... Yeah, just like uh, you know the conversation we've had before with all the everybody wants all the electric cars and they don't realize what a lithium mine looks like and what it does to the countryside. But that conversation aside, so I like that type of an idea. So now the second thing is, can they do it profitably? So if a company like that can do it profitably, that's something I had to have very much have an interest in because of what's going into the future of where we're going from electronics and everything else. Um, I like that type of idea. I like it when somebody comes out with a product. That is so revolutionary. It's going to change how things work. I mean, it's going to change the, the economy and the function of how things happen. You know, if we can take a look at uh, a company who changes how the retail works, how some sort of a manufacturing process works. I like looking at companies like that. And, and that's the stuff I really like looking for um, with a company. All right, 715-845-2155. We need to take a break here. We'll come back with more. If you have a question for Merle, give us a call. We'll be right back on WSAU. We're here early before they wake up. We stay late. We stay informed. We invest in the latest technology. We take the time to train the next generation of doctors and nurses. We work together to make sure we heal their bodies and their minds. We do this not because it's our job, but because this is about our veterans' lives. This is our mission. More than 300,000 of us working as one, together with families and loved ones. I appreciate you doing what you're doing. Coronavirus reporting. Of course, I come to you first. 
WSAU and WSAU.com. The opinions voiced on this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your attorney, accountant, financial advisor, or tax advisor prior to investing. This show contains forward-looking statements that may not come true. Securities and Investment Advisory Services offered through HBEC Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC, HBEC Incorporated, Kelch Associates are unaffiliated companies, and this program is intended for Wisconsin residents only. And we're back in the studio. I'm Tom King, Merle Kelch, Kelch and Associates in Wausau. Before the break, we were talking about this bring you know, production back to America idea, and uh, the president of South Korea was in Washington this week meeting with President Biden, and he had uh, a couple of uh, the big executives from the South Korean tech companies with him, including LG, and they were talking about uh, building a semiconductor chip plant here in the United States, mm-hmm. and uh, certainly that is something the administration is working toward, to, uh, so we're not so reliant on, because of the shortage of uh, chips right, around right. the world and the, uh, not have to rely on places like China for chips to, to run our companies. Um, you know, it's a brilliant idea. I know it's a conversation that started with, a, and I'm not giving, you know, not being political, I'm not giving the, the last administration credit or this one credit, but it's a conversation that's happened for the last couple of, uh, of administrations. Uh, the Trump administration pushed and said, let's try to get somebody in here to try to build it, as well as we had, you know, Foxconn coming in, that type of thing. But we need to. Um, uh, we need to have better control of what's happening with our chips. We saw Intel just recently saying they're going to put an enormous amount of money into new uh, organizations, plants, uh, product lines for chips. AMD's made the same type of thing. Um, uh, we need to get them built back here in America so we have a better supply chain. And that's one of the big things that's screwing up everything right now is, is really supply chain. Do we know what Foxconn's building yet in that factory? I'm not really sure what's going on. <laughs> Let's go to the phone here this morning. Good morning. Who are we talking to? This is Richard. Richard, go ahead. You're Good morning, Richard. Yeah. What uh, what role uh, to one over 70 should preferred stocks be playing? Ask that question once again. Uh, what do you think about preferred stocks for someone over 70? I don't have a problem with preferred stocks with somebody over 70. Um, so, you know, the thing about preferred stocks, we just have to remember a few things about them. And this is where most people kind of get goofed up with preferred stocks. Um, preferred stocks really don't appreciate in value, though they can and they do. They're really not designed to. They're simply designed to spit out an interest rate. Okay. Is that helping? Yes. Okay. Yes. So, so if you buy a preferred stock, many people will buy it and think, well, geez, I'm going to get, and I'm making up an interest rate here. So. Um, so, Richard, somebody might say, well, geez, I'm going to get 4% interest or 5% interest, plus it's going to go up in value. Go up in and, value. And, and, and it doesn't. It's just going to get the 4 or 5% interest for the most part. The second thing is, is what happens is that they tend to be, um, uh, they don't have a long life to them. So, let's say you buy a preferred stock. And, again, this is makeup hypo- hypothetical here, Richard. Let's say we buy a preferred stock and it's paying a 7% interest rates. It's actually a dividend. So you're paying the 7% dividend, and then all of a sudden the prevailing interest rates around the world now start going down to 3%. Well, the company's going to essentially call them, and I always liken it to picking up the phone and calling them and saying, hey, we want the stock back, uh, because now they have the ability to, to reissue that cash or reissue them at a lower interest rate uh, for that capital. And so they tend to not have a long life, um, but there's nothing wrong with them as a financial instrument. Like anything else, you want to make sure that the quality of the company you're buying is as best as possible. Thank you very much. All right, thanks for the you're call. Welcome. Appreciate it. Well, um, I'm sort of confused, I guess. You own a piece of stock that's paying a 7% interest rate. Mm-hmm. 
the prevailing interest rates go down to 3%. Mm-hmm. The company is going to bu- call you to buy the stock back. What yeah. if you tell them no? I, I like my stock paying 7%. I'm going to keep this share of stock. Sure. Um, I was being oversimplistic. Okay, well, good. So, so be, be even more overly simplistic <laughs> for me. I'll take it one step up. <laughs> Thank you. Well, you have, to, you have to go one step up. You asked a good question. I tell you, your transformation to a Republican yeah. is doing great. Right, you're right. Gonna start a, you're going to start attending no conservative. no reason to be insulting every conservative week. Conservative events, Tom. It's coming. Uh-huh. So so in here, um, they usually have a call date or call feature to them. So the call date or the call feature assigned with the stock says, you know, this stock can be called by this date. And called simply means, okay, as of this date, uh, we have the ability to call the stock and you're going to get paid out from it. So there's usually, you know, call value, call rates, all this sort of stuff happens from depending upon how they were issued and that type of stuff. So that's where the call part comes in. Okay. That makes okay. Sense. Yep. I got gotcha. you. Yep. We're good. Okay. All right. Look, you'll learn something again. Uh, it's amazing. Every Saturday. Every, every Saturday we learn something here on the program. <laughs> 715-845-2155. If you have a question for me, I'm just amazing. I remember this joke. <laughs> <laughs> well, you went to school for it. I would hope you would remember it. Uh, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about rebalancing portfolios. And we've, we've only got a few minutes left in this segment before the news, and we can uh, carry it over into the next segment as well. Um, rebalancing your portfolio. We talk about it a lot, and I guess maybe go over some basics for someone who has a, a, a balanced portfolio mm-hmm. or they think it's balanced. And then all of a sudden, what would make it out of whack that it would need to be rebalanced? What do you look for in that situation? And where do you go? How do you rebalance it? What do you, what do mm-hmm. you do in that situation? Well, th- there's actually an article in here that, that this article talks about rebalancing, but I can use the, the, the grid on here to help for that example. So, so if we take a look at um, a, a portfolio and let's say that um, I have been an investor that's really loved all the high tech stuff. And, and so all I was invested in, again, this is a, a make believe story here, folks, for a dramatic uh, idea. Um, so let's say I invested only in high tech where the total return in 2020 uh, was 44% for the high tech area. You know, it was a great year last year. And I just happen to have that because of an article I have sitting up here we want to chat about later on. So inside of here, that shows the information. But if we look at it this year, um, the rate of return for the uh, information technology IT area is 5%. So you're looking to go, well, what the happened? And, and you know, what do I have to do? But ah, sometimes you just have to take the profit from that. But um, if we flip it over, we look at it last year in 2020, the energy sector was minus 34%. Um, and now the energy sector is also now plus 39%. And so what was the flip? Well, that's just all part of the rebalancing. And so if we look at our portfolio in uh, what type of consumable or sectors that we're in, we'd want to rebalance within that. Now, uh, this actually happens to be the 11 sectors of the S&P 500. So within the S&P 500, different areas have different rates of returns. Now the S&P 500 doesn't change their mix. They have the same mix all the, all the time. Um, but what we are finding is that things from last year, as we can see right here, that didn't do well are doing great right now. For example, last year, the uh, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was a bit stunted comparative to the S&P 500. Well, it makes sense. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is only 30 stocks, and it doesn't have all the big tech stocks on the inside. Um, now the technology is just taking off. Well, we have the big energy sectors, the big companies. And so having a balance between both of those makes sense that we have the ability to say, well, geez, one's doing well, one's not. And so if we rebalance a portfolio, let's say we started with 10% and 10% a year ago. Well, that one 10% from our model here didn't do much in the, in the Dow, but the 10% in the S&P 500 would have taken off, and they did. 
And so we said, well, we're going to take some of that profit of the S&P 500, then buy it into the Dow this year and rebalance the portfolio to 10%, 10% again. We now just bought stuff on a lower price, and now that just went up this year on the Dow side. So that rebalancing of a portfolio, mathematically, if we look at it, forces us to sell high and buy low. And most people go, what? Sell high, buy low? That's weird. Well, that's what we all want to do. The problem is, is most of the time we end up getting in motion involved in it, and rebalancing a portfolio allows us to do it automatically within. Now, folks, if you're inside of mutual funds, mutual fund managers are doing this on an ongoing basis. I was going to ask that question. I mean, most yeah. average investors aren't going to watch it that closely. And are there computer algorithms that do it, or is that something you do on a All regular basis place. for your clients? We and, do it regularly with our clients. Yeah, uh, we regularly. We we look at it every time we ever review. It, we see if there's something out of whack. I mean, you have to. It's the only way you can uh, uh, solve the problems. Inside of your four hundred one k, if you have some of the asset allocation portfolios, they're doing a rebalancing based upon what their their principles and ideas were. They're doing that rebalancing on an ongoing basis. So 401ks from a rebalancing standpoint are pretty good. Some 401ks actually have it that if you have a mix that you set up, they'll rebalance it every quarter. Some 401ks, not all, but some have that built right into them. So the rebalancing and making sure your portfolio is balanced is how you control the risk inside of a portfolio. And many people never look at it that way. Uh, in fact, uh, you know, think about this, Tom. The, the things that grow the fastest in your 401k, and we're just going to use yours because I know it's multi-million dollar. <laughs> He's joking, folks. He probably um, knew that. Yes. It's bigger. No. So, you know, if we take a 401k, and we'll just pick on yours, Tom, and, and I don't know the values. I'm just using this as an example of yours. The things that grow the fastest tend to be your mid-caps because uh, your mid-caps tend to have the new technologies inside. There are companies that are up and growing. Your mid-cap companies tend to grow the fastest in your small caps. And with the fastest growth also means they have the largest risk. So if you leave all of your money inside of the small and the mid-cap stocks, you're going to get the most growth, but you're also going to have an increasing amount of risk as a result of that. So if you're 50 years old, Tom, well, probably not that big of a deal. If you're 70 years old, it's a big deal because now you're getting older as your portfolio is getting riskier. So the only way you can combat that risk and keep it into bay is one, either to measure it, which almost nobody does except weirdos like me, um, the other way to do it is simply to rebalance the portfolio. So if you have, and again, I'm making up a number, folks. If you have 20% allocated to mid-cap in your stock or equity portfolio, and it goes up to 25, well, you should take that five out because now you've just increased the parameters as you got older. You increase the amount of risk. And so with that, then you say, well, let's rebalance the portfolio. So we're getting that mid-caps back to 20% again, making sure we're taking some of the risk off the plate. And that's one of the biggest things working with a, our new term, Tom, is financial professional. Mm -hmm. um, if you're working with an advisor of some sort, that's one of the biggest things they should be helping you do is to make sure that that risk is going the way we originally set it up. That's a fancy name, like sanitation engineer for oh, a garbage yeah. man? Yeah, a, yeah. I, just, I just heard that term about two, three weeks ago, and I've heard it a whole bunch since. Contact your financial professional. <laughs> All right. What? We need to take a break for some news. We're going to come back with more. If you have a question for Merle, give us a call. We'll be right back on WSAU. Vehicle accidents are stressful enough. You don't need someone showing up at the scene trying to pressure you into letting them tow away your vehicle. Call your roadside assistance provider or insurance company for towing company suggestions or consult with police on the scene. And always have the price and terms in writing. Saving children. Learn more at stjude.org. 
And we're back here in the studio. I'm Tom King, Merle Kelch, Kelch and Associates in Wausau, 715-845-2155. If you have a financial question for Merle this morning, you said you had another article you wanted to dive into over there? I do, but prior, let me make sure we say this. Folks, next week on Saturday the 5th, um, we have our Let's Get Going with Summer uh, car show that we have at the Eagles Club. Saturday the 5th, that would be Saturday in two weeks. Fifth. That would be uh, in two, two weeks. weeks. After well, Memorial Day right, I'm close enough. I'm not really sure where I'm at. But anyway. Two weeks from um, today. We'll start hearing some radio programs because Midwest has been gracious enough to be one of our co-sponsors for this. And uh, with that, folks, we're having a car show during the daytime. And then in the evening, um, we're having uh, uh, one of my great friends uh, playing some blues music uh, on the, the acoustic and guitar by himself while we set up. For uh, another great friend of mine, uh, uh, Dave Dion and his band called Soul Inspiration, we got live horns going out, and they're going to play their soul and funk and Motown stuff, and it's going to be a fantastic night under a gigantic tent. And the uh, profits from this event we send off to Man of Honor and as well as Never Forgotten Honor Flights. We hope to see you down there. Bring your lawn chairs. We'll, of course, have libations and food uh, outside next to the water down at the Eagles Club on Saturday, June 5th, a whole day affair. If folks want to get their collectible car involved in the show, how do they do that? Um, you come down to the, the show, and now you're going to say, what time? Um, let's say 9, Tom. Let's uh, <laughs> let's give it like 9 o'clock. We'll look, out, look online on Facebook. I'm not exactly sure what the time is. That's but two weeks on yep. the 5th down at the Eagles Club in Wausau. I was uh, out for a fish fry last night at one of the local watering holes, and there was a collectible car in the parking lot. It was a hearse oh. with a collector's plate on it. I'm, I'm going. I'm, I'm hoping it's a, somebody just driving their collectible hearse around and not some guy from a funeral home who happened to stop for a fish fry uh, <laughs> in his company car. That was pretty weird. Um, where's Mr. Uh, yeah, that's uh, right. Olson? That's, uh, well, yeah. he's in the back of the car. Yeah, Stash, yeah. he's having a fish oh, fry. Oh, boy. Yeah. All right. Uh, 715-845-2155. What else do you have for us over there? All right. So in here, we, we popped into the uh, the article just a little bit, and, and I used some of the stats from the article. But uh, Philip Van Dorn, he does the thing called Weekend Reads. And and uh, from my standpoint, being a weirdo with this stuff, I usually pop it up on somewhere on Saturday, Friday, I'll pick up the weekend reads, and it's sort of like the 10 best articles from the, the course of the week. And, and one of the ones we talked about before was, you know, what's happening to all these big tech stocks that did this money? And, and we've seen it happen um, uh, just a ton of times. And, 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 and I had to have this conversation with a new client this past week and said, okay, um, whatever did well last year probably isn't going to be the best thing for next year. In fact, uh, one of the old adages in our industry with uh, uh, my colleagues is, well, if you want to lose money next year, buy what did well last year. And if we take a look at that, we can almost see that happen to a certain degree. So those things that did real well last year didn't do well uh, uh, this year and vice versa. And so make sure that you watch your portfolio. So a lot of the technology didn't do well this year with the exception of Amazon. Is it, Amazon always, actually doing pretty good. Is it almost always like that, that uh, something that does well the previous year doesn't do well two, two years in a row? Can you, is that almost something that you can bank on? Uh, you can't really bank on it, but you just see it happen all the time. Yeah, the technology sector did well because everybody's staying at home buying stuff at, at home and buying online and, it drove up all the technology. Then people started saying, look what technology is doing. So more money flooded into it. Well, as we come around this year and we open up a little bit, people are getting out and doing more in other areas. So they're not quite spending as much uh, in some of those technology areas. And as we're driving around now, we're starting getting on airplanes. We're starting to drive our vehicles and cars and that type of thing. So it's just being spent a little bit differently. Um, and so then what happens then is people look at it and they still continue to keep driving money into it last year. Uh, and they're missing the stuff that's happening now. And then they end up missing the profit. And that's what creates the volatility in that stuff. You have to look at it on an ongoing basis. As we always say in this industry, you have to look at stuff when you invest for three years. If you're going to buy something for six months, um, it's just, it's a casino bet. 
um, just a little bit longer ranging as far as time goes. So another thing that they had inside of the article I thought was um, relatively interesting was this past week, the volatility we've seen inside of Bitcoin. So Bitcoin and the cryptocurrencies are just insane. So Bitcoin this year on April 14th had a high of $65,000 for a coin. And at one point in time, these, uh, oh, geez, was it Monday or Tuesday? I think it was. It was at 30000 It dropped that much already. Certainly at this, or standing at this particular point in time is it's down 38% um, as of May 20th to $40,000. So one of the biggest things that happened in here was the uh, China government's crackdown on the plans and the U.S. government's announcements of plans this week of what they want to do with the Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. Essentially, China just simply said, you know, we don't want you to do it anymore. Um, and they're probably going to crack down and make it so that they can't do it. And the um, Americans said that the Justice Department and the IRS is going to start really investigating this stuff for all the fraud involved. They're going to start going through and saying not only the fraud part, but they said if you buy any cryptocurrency of $10,000 up or down, you have to report it now. Right, uh, right. doing it. Mm -hmm. yep. and so so that just threw a, a, a wrench right in the whole system. You know, sort of, we, we've talked about it in this program a long time. There has to be some accountability to it. Um, and interestingly enough, the U.S. government is looking at doing their own cryptocurrency at this point in time. So we're seeing. I mean, that that's got to happen at some point, right? I mean, it's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I tend to believe that we already have a cryptocurrency called the U.S. dollar, but it's a, you know, just have to do it differently, I guess. But um, but in here, again, I don't have a problem with cryptocurrency just without accountability, which is one of the things that's liked so much. But there's so much. Um, dark money sitting inside of that system that's got to get cleaned up somehow. And that's one of the things we're finding in other countries that are starting to get on board and saying we're just not going to accept this as a, as a viable tender. Um, and so we're then we're seeing some of the companies that are part of that starting to have some issues and reverberations as a result of that. Well, it didn't also help that uh, Elon Musk said we're not going to take it for currency and uh, for Teslas anymore too. So um, that was a, a big one that was out there. It, it almost seems like Elon Musk is bipolar at times. Some of the things he says and does that adversely or or profit his company i mean sometimes it doesn't matter sometimes you can say two different things on, on two different different days one that helps the company and one that doesn't help the company i mean what, what's going he can on become his, a politician his his, his uh his employees the uh the, uh the the suits that run the company for him have to just be pulling their hair out when he gets in front of a microphone or on his twitter account the, you know what they yeah the Sort of like Trump's people, right? Right? Uh, right? You know, absolutely. You know, and and it's true when you have people that are smart and eccentric, they tend to have the same thing. You put them in front of their element; they're great, but keep them out of the public. And and you know, and, and like it or not, a lot of the things, like Trump or not, a lot of the things he did really made a lot of sense and they worked. But I don't. Somebody should took the Twitter away from him. Stop biting your lip; it's going to bleed. Mm, mm, um, okay. And the same thing with Elon Musk. I mean, he he created. Uh, you know, PayPal uh, while he was in college, you know, sold that, you know, started a space company and a car company because he got bored in addition to other stuff that he's doing. He's keep him in front of the computer. Just get him off the, you know, get him off of Twitter and this kind of stuff. And off of Saturday Night Live. <laughs> well, I haven't seen that. There's a, uh, there was a Tesla story out this week. I don't know if you saw that down in Southern Wisconsin, uh, a guy from Illinois was uh, driving his Tesla on Highway 41 and he was sleeping. The car was driving itself. It was one of those self-driving cars. Mm -hmm. And he was flying up Highway 41 about 80 miles an hour, sleeping in the car. And uh, the cops pulled him over, and the only ticket they could get him was for inattentive driving, even though he wasn't drive technically driving. I mean, would you feel comfortable enough in a Tesla self-driving car to fall asleep in it while, while you were in it? I do it sometimes while I'm driving. I, I, now. We don't want to know no, about but, that. No, but, but no, I, I, boy, I, I can't imagine that. Yeah, um, I like the idea of having a, a, a 
you know, car that able to assist. So in case you turn your head or you miss something, I, I like that idea. Um, um, I have, uh, uh, in my car, I, in my truck, I have, I call it the Wisconsin option. So if you get outside of your lane, you push a button, it starts vibrating the seats. Um, I like that option. Oh, not just making a noise. It, it actually, it actually, it actually vibrates the yeah, seat okay. on the side that you're going out from one side to the other. I call it the Wisconsin option because, you know, we're so busy doing other stuff or whatever that we don't pay attention. <laughs> So, Eating, so I like drinking, that. putting yeah. on makeup, so talking some, on the phone. Some versions yeah. I know, I think Cadillac has some and maybe Buick and some. They have them that will actually write, write the ship. Mine doesn't do that. It's a truck. It just tells you that you're going one place to another. Great for camping, by the way, when you're pulling stuff. Um, and so so I, I like that idea that I'm having some sort of a digital assistance or semi-autonomous that it you know, helps stop the car from getting close to something or that kind of bit. But I, I, I You're not ready to take a nap while I you're – I couldn't take a nap. I, yeah. I, I couldn't do that. If I want something like that, I'll, I'll get somebody to drive me, you know. Right. I want somebody to be awake looking around. Yes, absolutely. All right, I'll tell you what. We'll take one more break here. We'll come back with more. If you have a question from Earl, give us a call. We'll be right back on WSAU. Now, this day. Here's Chris Conley. Today is an important day for Rock and Roll Hall of Famer Bruce Springsteen. You need to live the life you want. The opinions voiced on this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your attorney, accountant, financial advisor, or tax advisor prior to investing. This show contains forward-looking statements that may not come true. Securities and Investment Advisory Services offered through HBEC Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC, HBEC Incorporated, Kelch & Associates are unaffiliated companies, and this program is intended for Wisconsin residents only. We're back in the studio. I'm Tom King, Merle Kelch, Kelch & Associates in Wausau. Before we get to the question you have for folks or the question that folks ask you, Tim Cook, the Apple CEO, got grilled in front of a judge in their lawsuit with uh, the makers of Fortnite this week. And Tim Cook said something in that testimony that I found fairly interesting and fairly hard to believe. He said that Apple iPhones only have a high 30 percentage of market share in the United States. I was, I found that shocking that there are, there are more than 65% of people in the country who have uh, cell phones are using a non Apple product. I found that stunning. Boy, I, I find that pretty amazing too. Yeah. So I know the bulk of my uh, friends and colleagues are all, almost all have apples mm -hmm. Yeah. and the ones who don't wish they did. Now I would imagine Tim Cook was under oath, so he couldn't be, you know, making up stories there, but it's yeah, it's yeah. just very. I found that very strange. What do you think is going to happen with that lawsuit? And the whole thing is about uh, the makers of Fortnite, the game company, um, charging their fee directly to their players instead of having to go through the Apple uh, App Store. Um, I think the big companies are going to end up losing a battle from antitrust lawsuit. Um, I think that's what's going. Do you think happen. Apple's going to lose yeah, this battle? Yeah, yeah. They're going to lose yeah. the battle. Hmm. Um, what, know, what will that do for the stock? Then not 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 help. I would imagine. It's probably not going to help, but I think if they open up their architecture, they can have more people come in, and so and maybe that makes it better. I don't know. Um, we'll we'll find out as time comes on. But but I think uh, a lot of these companies, um, I think uh, they're going to lose from an antitrust standpoint. Uh, remember, Microsoft had a long problem with this when they were going through massive expansion. They were buying up all their competitors, and eventually the the government said you can't do that. You can't just keep buying your competitors, and so. Um, I think but the practice they're going to do is going to end up having them open up their orchestra, uh, architecture. Well, you could probably say that about a lot of these companies, Facebook oh, as yeah. well, I, right? I think, yeah. I think Amazon's going to have one, too. Mm -hmm. you yeah. know, when Amazon uh, is charging uh, uh, you know, for people to use their product, but they're not charging themselves to sell their own products. And, and so um, I think there's going to be a lot of adjustments that's going to happen inside of this world. And you know what? And, and, and that's okay. That's keep, let's keep competition uh, so we can continue to have it 
um, uh, be competitive among everybody rather than somebody just being so large that they take stuff up. So there's an article out here by Pop, Pop, Paul Brandis called This is the Most Common Fear Among Retirees, and as we might know, it's always going to be about running out of money um, uh, or running out of income, quite honestly, because uh, um, that really is what we all want to have happen. We want to be able to retire and be able to have income as we go through it. And so um, one of the things that popped in here in this article uh, for me was uh, in 2020, TD Ameritrade did a survey that 53% of those aged 50 to 59 years old have $99,000 or less um, for retirement. Of those 16 to 69, it's 38%. And in their 70s, 33% have less than $100,000 that they put away for savings in retirement. Um, and, and so it just shows to the fact that um, um, saving when you're younger and getting the money put away and uh, doing some research and some work and giving yourself some time and training and, and working with people um, only makes sense to try to expand that number when retirement comes. Um, or as Tom and I were talking about as we're getting through, we're just going to keep working and we'll probably see each other sitting here 10 years from now sitting inside the studio. Yeah, the question, uh, the question that's asked, uh, am I going to run out of money? What if you already know the answer to that question? <laughs> well, then, you, then, then you're not going to run out of work. Right, right. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to, uh, um, to see what happens with this. You know, there are products that are out there that a lot of people don't favor and they say they're too expensive. But, you know, annuities, for example. But, boy, you got to watch the equity index annuities, folks. They're being sold all over the place. Um, we just had a client. And I'm telling a story now, but it's not really a story. It's a client came in. They work with you know, named investment, uh, you know, firm uh, here around town that came in and, and they had them in five different equity index annuities and they're saying, well, we can't get any money out of here. How do we get money out without surrender charges? And it's like, oh, it's just sort of like, sort of like when you're, you get a blindfold on Tom, you walk through a cow pasture without your shoes, eventually a step in it and, and they stepped in it. It's like, oh man. Uh, and, and you look at the stuff and then try to unravel those things. You know, those equity index annuities, you put your money and you can't take any money out with the exception of a small percentage uh, for, you know, 10, 12 years with some of these companies. Um, and you look at that and say, oh, geez. And they made no money for money off to the side for a rainy day for them. And then they call themselves a fiduciary. Just drives me bleeding bananas. But um, on the on the other side of that, um, there are annuities that are good in essence that you have the ability to generate some income. So an annuity is not bad. A lot of times they're just badly done. They're like everything else. They can be... They could be the greatest thing in the world or the worst thing in the world, but they have to be done right. So watch yourselves on that, folks. Okay, that's my uh, my opinion. Like the piece cartoon character day. Jessica Rabbit. I'm not bad. I'm just drawn that way. <laughs> All right. Oh, yeah. hey, we're we just go. about out of time here. Uh, if folks want to get a hold of you on Monday, you're going to be around? Uh, we will be there on Monday. So stop and see us, 3rd Avenue and Bridge Street. Stop on in for a cup of coffee, kick the tires, say hello and hi. You can give us a call locally, 715-849-3600, outside of the Wassa area. 866-355-5100, or find us online at kelchinassociates.com. And once again, a plug for the uh, big car show and party at the Eagles Club. That's in two weeks, two weeks from today. Two weeks, June 5th. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, if you want to come see our, our good buddy, legendary Don Haney, playing some blues uh, after the fish fry, come have a fish fry and then sit around and listen to him play on Friday night. He's going to hang out with us, and then on Saturday he'll play for a little bit after the car show during the daytime. So stop on down and see the great cars that we have there. We'll probably estimate between 60 and 80 really nice cars right on the lakeshore. Um, and then afterwards, we have uh, Soul Inspiration finishing out the night with some music and dancing under the big tent. 
um, and libations and food right by the water. And, uh, Tom, a little prayer for uh, some nice weather for the day. Merle's going to have his collectible Edsel there, I heard. Right? Uh, well, be more like my uh, collectible pickup truck full of stuff as I'm running around work. Nice. <laughs> so All if right. you actually want to see me work. We've got – that'd be fun to watch. We've got uh, Alan Halgum is going to be pinch hitting for you next week. Pinch hitting for me next week. That's Alan right. will be here with uh, questions about uh, estate planning and things like that, so we hope he can join us for that. We've got uh, the polka shows coming up after the news at 9 o'clock. We also have Brewer Baseball again this afternoon, an afternoon game uh, for the Brewers in Cincinnati, and you can hear it here, pregame show at 2.35. It's all coming up right here on WSAU.